You're listening to the Put On Waivers Podcast with your host, Dwayne Douglas, on the POW Sports Podcast Network. So whether it's the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, or even hockey, nah, forget about hockey. Now for the best in sports talk, come along for the ride with the Put On Waivers Podcast. Here's your host, Dwayne Douglas. Welcome to the Put On Waivers podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Douglas, podcasting off the shores of the beautiful Pacific Ocean here. Beautiful day. Absolutely beautiful day here in San Diego. Can't get much better than that. Not a single cloud in the sky. And my partner, Michael Lano, podcasting from the great state of North Carolina, Tar Heel Nation, Panther Country. Still somehow holding on to everything he knows as a New York Giant fan. How you doing today, Michael? Yeah, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. Not bad weather here today either, but uh, can't you say 75 and sunny every day there? Or is that just uh, is that, is that false information? Doesn't that rain in not... San Diego, does it? It d- it did rain once. Oh, sorry. It did. It, it did. It. It, it did rain once, so I can't, I cannot, I cannot complain about that. It did, it did rain one time, but um, for the most part, it's been absolutely gorgeous, like absolutely gorgeous every day, every day out Tough here. Life. So I can't, comp- I can't, Tough I can't complain life. enough. But I do, I do, I will hear people in line, uh, maybe at like Target or something like that, and they'll be complaining about the weather, <laughs> and and I just say, I just can't, I have no words. I have no words for complaining about the weather that um that we have um been lucky enough to have here in the beautiful Everyone will complain about West Coast. something. Everybody will complain yeah. about something. Just the way it is. It, it's America and um it, it, yes. complain about will complain about something and we all know that um that at some point um Somebody will complain, and then you know you look at you know where how how other people live in the around the world, and you say they would do get their get their right arm to live out here yes. in the United States. So we are thankful, and we are um, we are um, lucky to do that. So let's start off, and we're going to start off um, with some baseball here. MLB in full effect, second half of the season now, and you know the the. The planet races are going. You got some trades here and there. Um, you know, there's trouble in Yankee Land. Um, I did have Mike's Yankee Yankee report later on in the in the baseball segment, but for right now, I mean, let's be let's call it like it is. Um, you know, the Yankees are pretty much in trouble um, as far as catching the Red Sox, and also um, they're also in trouble as far as you know their catching situation. But first. We are going to talk about one of the surprise teams in Major League Baseball, and that's the Atlanta Braves. We knew they had some young talent on the Braves. We knew that they had, um, you know, they're building something kind of like the way the Houston Astros were building their things um, uh, down there in Texas. And we have Fred E. Owens. That's Fred E. Owens at TomahawkTake.com. That's TomahawkTake.com. 
Fred, how you doing today? I'm I'm pretty well now that I got the phone figured out. <laughs> Talk about us that. too, Fred. Us too. <laughs> tonight. Us too tonight. Uh, Mike Rolando here, Fred. Thanks for joining us. Um, tell me a little bit. Obviously, this is a, an incredibly interesting team. Uh, it's been a fun year for you. Um, uh, tell tell us a little bit about just the confidence level of this team heading into the second half and. And did you see this coming at the beginning? It's the first time uh, that, that uh, I think we've had the chance to talk with you. So tell me a little bit about um, the confidence, and then also, um, and then also, just your outlook heading in. Did you see this coming? Well, no, of course we didn't. We didn't see this coming at all. We had the uh, we had the two really, really awful years. Um, every year they kept saying we're going to get better, we were going to get better, and we kept stockpiling uh, young arms in the in the minors. But we never really put a team on the field that was going to challenge anybody for any kind of any kind of long time period. And then they had that uh, disgraceful event with uh, when John Coppola tried to bend the rules for everybody and cost us 13 prospects and a draft pick this year and uh, limits international spending for two or three years and kicks a big hole right in the middle of the minor league system. And so the, the, the fans, uh, we didn't know uh, what was really going to go on down there. Uh, and I don't think many people down there did either. And then they went to L.A. and, and uh, got Alex Anthopoulos, convinced him to come to Atlanta. And uh, they did that. I mean, it's really late to bring in a, a new GM, but they brought Alex in, and he he made it perfectly clear right off the bat that he wasn't going to jump in and start throwing uh, prospects away, trying to build a team. He wanted to see what he had first before he tried to do any kind of constructing. Uh, mm-hmm. The only thing he really did was really uh, a major thing was uh, getting shedding the Matt Kemp contract for us, moving all of that money into this year, and uh, and clearing off the budget books for the next two years so that he would have something to work with. In, in the meantime, we picked up uh, Brian, Brandon McCarthy and Charlie, Charlie Culberson in there, and uh, uh, they started the year, and we were saying, boy, if we, you know, if we can be a 500 or maybe a little better than 500 club, we'll be exceedingly happy. And all of a sudden, we were on top of the first division or on top of the NL East and, and, uh, and kicking tail. Um, and so it was really a shock to us. It wasn't anything we sort of expected. Everybody was playing above their heads. And, and um, you know, we looked really well there for a while, and, of course, when everybody's playing out the heads, so eventually somebody's going to come off the horse. Uh, and right. uh, we started we started coming back to the coming back to the pack a little bit there, and the Phillies got on top just before the uh, before the All Star break. Uh, second half, uh, we started the second half. Boy, we did really good the first game, and the second game we didn't do so good with. So I don't know. I mean, uh, I still think if we land the mid 80s. Uh, and wins this year, it will be a hugely successful year for us. Um, we've got all that young talent. Uh, Acuna and Albies are are just thrilling to watch. Uh, Swanson's become one of the best defensive shortstops in the league. Uh, Freeman is is the best first baseman in the league, and, and I don't care who, who wants to argue that point. He's been the best first baseman for a long time, but everybody else was on a better team. Um, we picked up a couple of the young pitchers are doing real well. Uh, Mark Kakis is having a career year. So we're going to be good. We're going to scare a lot of people. And if Alex does something at the deadline to bring us some players, we're going to scare people a lot more. So that leads, that, that leads me right into the next question. Is where, 
where do you think is the biggest need for for the team right now, and, and do you think they'll be able to land? Uh, where's the talk? Where the you know who who are they actually? Um, who's the focus on uh, just individual players or things that you're hearing about who they want to grab at the deadline? Well, I mean, uh, I listened to Alex Anthopoulos oh, three or four times over the last month, and he he keeps saying the same thing. Uh, we have money. We're not scared to spend the money. We're not going to throw away all the prospects for a short-term game. We want controllable assets. And then he gave an interview to uh, Jim Bowden on SiriusXM. He said he wanted the starting pitcher, relief pitchers, and a uh, perhaps third baseman and pitch pad. Uh, that sounds like to me he's going to do something. Now, the yeah. other thing he said on the radio the other day, which was terribly interesting to me, was that... Um, None of the names you heard flying around the internet, we were in on it all. All the names, all the speculation was out there. All these, you know, well, we're heavily in on this guy and heavily in on that guy. None of that was true. And so, if I've got to believe the talking heads, or I've got to believe my my DM, I'm going to believe Anthopoulos because that's the way he played it in Toronto. He nobody knew what he was going to trade for until the deal was done. That's what I'm expecting from him now. Targets. I mean, I can guess targets for you all night. I'm not sure that I'd be anywhere in the ballpark. I expect he's been, I expect he's been called Mets two or three times about DeGrom and Wheeler. I sort of think he's talked to, talk to the Tigers about Mike Myers. Uh, he, he, he may have talked to Tampa about uh, Ivaldi. Uh, you know, it, it's just really hard to say. He's going to make a deal that's long-term benefit for us. Uh, if he brings in short-term assets, there'll be short-term assets that don't cost a lot. Um, so, you know, I'd rule out players like Cole Hamels and Adrian Beltre. They're not going – I don't think they're going to find their way to Atlanta. Not that I particularly wanted to. Um, but I expect him to do something. Uh, I don't know – you know, I can guess, but I don't know what. You know, I mean, I'm like your guess yeah. is probably fine. Yeah. You listen to the Put On Waivers podcast. We are on the line with Fred E. Owens of TomahawkTake.com. TomahawkTake.com for all things Atlanta Braves. Uh, in other sports, we you have like you know the young phenoms like Le, like LeBron James and you know Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant when they're just you know 18 years old, 19 years old, they come into the league and do some things. Russell, I mean, excuse me, um, Ronald. Acuna Jr. has been a, a guy who's been we've been heard about we heard about for a long time now. How has his transition been from you know the hype machine surrounding his ability, and how has he assimilated to the culture of the Braves and played in the bigs this year? Uh, Acuna has been good. You know, he he's young. Um, he makes young kid mistakes sometimes, but when he when he's uh, when he's got uh, got got it in gear and he flies around the bases, he scares people to death and. When him and Albies are going back to back or on the bases together, uh, the the infielders and the pitchers uh, they're they're up on their toes waiting for something to happen, and that always causes mistakes. He hits the ball hard with authority. Um, breaking pitches still get him a little bit. I'm surprised I'm surprised people throw him fastballs because, you know, if you throw him a fastball, it's like trying to get sunshine past a rooster. He's he's going to get a bat on it at some point. Um, but they keep doing it, and we keep saying thank you. Um, he's he's really fast. He can play any of the outfield positions, um, and he's always got a big smile on his face. Nothing bothers him. Him and Alpes and Swanson, um, 
they're like the three musketeers. They're always joking and playing around, and they don't take anything too seriously. But but they're on the field. They're all business. So I I you know, he's he's been spectacular. But he's been really good. But Albies has been spectacular. Uh, he's been he has been for me. Uh, he blossomed about a year ahead ahead of what I expected him to. Um, you know, he, he's got he's got he leads uh, second baseman on all kinds of things. Uh, you know, it, it just he's fast. Um, Twenty home runs. Uh, you know, thirty doubles. Just just a superb infielder and uh when he's on the basis uh everybody everybody watches him and and forgets everything else so you know those two guys in particular uh have been have been the uh superstars that sort of uh, the stars that appeared this year and uh albies albies uh well al tubi said in the paper that albies albies was as good as him and i'll take that about that seven days a week yeah i mean that is um I I grew up loving loving you know the second base position watching like Lou Whitaker and some of the best who have done it and I think when it's all said and done if Albie's plays his entire career in Atlanta there'll be a there'll be a statue um, outside for him because he has just been he's been tremendous for the for the Braves this year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he and Swanson, you know, Swanson had an awful year to start uh, awful two seventeen uh, start of two seventeen. We had Brandon Phillips and they're playing second base and. You know, it looked like they got along really well, but uh, at, at one point I felt that uh, Phillips was sort of holding uh, Dansby back, uh, wasn't letting him play shortstop they wanted to. He sort of said, well, you know, if it's over here, this is mine, you stay over there, and that kind of thing. And they made a joke out of it, but uh, the more, longer I watched it, the more I was sure they were serious. And then they brought up Albies at, uh, towards the or after the uh, trade deadline came up. They brought Albies up, and they – they uh, moved uh, BP over to third base, and all of a sudden, the middle of the infield was tight as a drum. And what that told me was that Albies and Swanson had an agreement. They knew where each other was going to be. They knew what the other one was going to do. They knew who was in charge. It's the shortstop. They knew who was going to call the plays. They knew who was going to make everything happen. And that that tightened up the middle of the infield and made the infield significantly better between the 1st of August and the end of the season than it had been the first half. With with Phillips and and don't get me wrong, BP's a great guy, but I just think he was, I think his personality, his the aura, the the veteranness of himself out there got in Swanson's way. I don't think BP did it on purpose. I'm not saying that, uh, but I I think that I think that he, Al, Swanson took a step back in in respect, and that hurt him. So, but once they, that moved out of the way, he blossomed, and this year he's as good a shortstop as there is around. Uh, he's also clutch after the seventh inning. Men, men, you can't get anything by him after the seventh inning with men on base. So uh, it's been a great, it's been great like that. Fred, you mentioned a few minutes ago uh, on my first question how um, just your quick thoughts on Freddie Freeman and um, just the amazing consistency he's shown, even you know from from when he got into the league at age 21, 22 years old. Um, but not until now is he really receiving a lot of recognition, even though he's having his He's probably, you know, he's having one of his best years, but he's having a pretty typical year because he's been productive every year he's been in the league. Um, tell me a little bit about just um, the progression he's been through, kind of the dog days of, of you know, the team having, or it basically seems like it's been rebuilding since he's, got, he's gotten into the league. Uh, tell me a little bit about him and just 
um, how he's viewed there locally. I mean, uh, seems like one of the more popular players, obviously being there with uh, for for six seven years now. Yeah, uh, uh, Freddie's Freddie's the captain. Okay, there's I mean, there's no C on his chest. Nobody says it, uh, but uh, Freddie plays every game. You you want to get him out of the game, you need like a, a truck with a big hook on it and and three or four strong men to attach it to him. He's not coming out. He plays every inning of every game. He's healthy. When he's not in the lineup, suffer a lot, and uh, not just not just at the plate because he, even though the met defensive metrics for first base don't say so, and basically first base defensive metrics suck anyway. Freddie's been one of the best fielding third basemen in the league ever since he's been up here. Now Rizzo, I'm not taking anything away from Rizzo or Paul Goldschmidt, who I think is a superb player. Freddie's been better, and he's been better because he played with worse teams, and he still played superbly. He had people like Pedro Soraco playing infield with him, and Adonis Garcia, uh, people who knew where first base was generally when they threw the ball, and he still caught it. Um, he's been the rock around which the team's built. They extended him early. Um, I expect them to try to do that again. He doesn't want to play anywhere else. Nobody wants him to go anywhere. Uh, when Freddie's in the lineup and you see him coming to the plate, you believe something's going to happen, even if it's they're going to walk him to try to pitch to Marcakis, which has been a bad idea all year long. Um, he, he had some trouble when he first came up with his contact lenses, and, and he tried four or five different kinds of glasses, and he even, even had special, uh, special glasses made for him while they were doing his contacts. He had LASIK in the off-season and some more contact trouble, but once that was fixed, um, you can't get him out of the lineup, and you certainly can't get him out of the plate very often. No, all true. It's, it's great information. The the uh, last thing I want to touch on is, you know, everybody, um, I think every fan loves it when a player from their organization, uh, you know, gets into the Hall of Fame. It's especially special when the player has, has a longevity of somebody like a Chipper Jones in one organization. It's so rare now in sport. Can you uh, just expand upon a little bit the importance of Chipper Jones to that organization and just how excited uh, the folks there are to see uh, to kind of see their their guy get in the hall? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, you know if, if everybody that wanted to be in Cooperstown on the 29th went to Cooperstown on the 29th, there wouldn't be anybody moving in Cooperstown because – uh, half of the southeast United States would be there. Uh, Chipper uh, has had his full pause uh, on and off the field. Uh, they, um, but he's been the team player as long as he's been there. When uh, when they decided, hey, look, we can bring Vinny Castilla in to play third if you'll slide out and play left field for us. Well, he said since, and it was the dumbest thing he ever agreed to, but he didn't hesitate the time. He went out and tried to play left field, uh, and Castillo was good for us, but uh, Chipper would have been better. And he 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 lost so many. He lost a lot of playing time or a lot of third base time there. A lot of play, plays that Vinny didn't make that Chipper could have made. And Chipper was trying to figure out how to play the outfield. He wasn't hitting as well as he could have, and he he still hit well. But you know, when when a guy's been got the same batting average and and for both sides of the plate, and he kills the baseball, and when if he asked anybody in New York who they didn't want to see come to the plate, and it was Chipper Jones, it didn't make any difference if we were talking Yankees or Mets. The Mets, of course, we, <laughs> he owned the Mets and the Phillies 
and the Nationals while he played. So he he pretty much uh, was in charge of all of it. When Chipper did well, the team did well. He took Freddie under his wing when Freeman came up. Uh, and Freeman's first hit was a home run off a rally Roy Halliday, as I recall. But uh, he took him under his wing. They became really close friends. Uh, Freeman got stuck in a snowstorm a couple of years ago, and, and Chipper went out on his four-wheeler and got him and pulled him back in. That was in all the papers. There were, there's a bobblehead of it somewhere. Uh, and so he sort of taught Freddie how to be how to be the leader of the team. He passed the torch across, and uh, the people in in Atlanta, the Braves fans across the country, uh, they love Chipper Jones. They would do anything for Chipper Jones, and um, you know, just a super guy. Uh, I met him a couple of times, talked to him a couple of times for a couple of minutes, and these fan things that we get invited to, and and he's he's just a just a great guy. Uh, I, you know, and yeah, off the field, maybe they, he's not, he's not perfect, but I really don't care about that. He played beautiful baseball from the time he came up and he refused to quit when he blew his knee out in Houston. And when everybody thought he'd never go back on the field and, uh, it was just, uh, it's just a magnificent career for one of the greatest ball players I've seen. Hey, Fred. And I'm old, Thank by you the for... way. I've seen a lot of ball players. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ball players, yes. Um, Fred, thanks for joining us here. Um, where can the um, people out there find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm uh, at Freddie Owens, funny enough. <laughs> at Freddie Owens on Twitter. Um, I'm also, of course, TomHawkTech.com. Uh, uh, on there, you'll find a little ugly picture of me on there. And uh, myself and Alan and Jeff and the rest of us try to put out good stuff. Uh, so, uh, uh, you can tweet me if you wish. A lot of people do. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I don't mind. Uh, just give me a holler. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us. I, thanks, I've, I've been on the site. I've been on, been on the site, and I, I love what I've read so far. So good, good job, guys, and um, keep it up. Hopefully, we'll see the yeah, Braves I'm, in the playoffs. I'm t- thanks for having me. It's really a pleasure to pleasure to get here. By the way, I heard that the Yankees were getting written while we were sitting here. I, I just my I, screen, so I, I, yes, I heard that it too. Just Fred, I heard that too. <laughs> yeah, Mike is a Mike is a Yankee fan, so of course he he saw that one. So <laughs> yeah, I, I I saw that flip across the screen. Dylan Tate, uh, which uh, I think is a bit of an overpay, but okay. Uh, anyway, um, good luck to you. You might be right. I, um, you might be right. Fred. I hope everybody does well. All right, thank Thanks, you, Fred. Fred. Yeah, Required listening.